How many of us have projects? How many of us uh, have more than one project at a time? There's a fundamental difference between Carrie and I. Um, and Carrie can't understand my way or work my way. And I can't hurt. Sometimes I feel the same way, but not God's way in my life. You see, Carrie, I'm very much a, if I can help it, I have one product at a time. I begin, I work until it's finished, and I'm done, and I can move on to the next one. And I feel I'm more efficient that way. I feel like I get my full attention, it's done, and I'm good, and we can go. And this morning I walked in, and I had one project in mind. Getting the Lord's Supper ready. And Mary said, the computer says no signal. So, I put that, I put that project aside to work on the computer. And I worked at that computer until we finished it. And then I moved on to the Lord's Supper. That's how it worked. Karen, <laughs> she'll start a project. She'll work a couple of days on it. And this year reminds me of the dog on the Squirrel! Because she has another project that she's going to start. And she'll fold that one up and put it somewhere. And then she'll fold that one up. And she'll, she'll have five projects on at the same time. And it may take her three years to do one. And I'm going... Uh, what about this project? I thought you were working on that. Well, I was. And then I decided that I need to work on this instead. So that's over there on that shelf. And then she'll come in a few, year, a few years later and go, I don't have any projects finished. Well, of course you don't. You've been working on so many, you're scattered and you don't ever get them done. But the truth is, Eventually, they get done. Eventually, something comes out. I have a hard time with it, but it works for her. And sometimes I feel the same way about the way God works in my life. Maybe you feel that. Maybe, maybe sometimes you're going, oh, God, what are you doing? How does this work? This morning, in light of this commitment made by these two new sisters of Christ, I want to take a few minutes to help us understand God's work in our life. This week's going to be a little bit um, lighter weight than last week's sermon. Last week was a little, uh, what's the word? Huh? It was great. Um, it was great. And we got home, it, 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 it's at lunchtime. And Shiloh walked in while Sarah Carey's cooking dinner and he said, Dad, um, I got real nervous when you started talking about um, being equipped. I don't think people want to hear that. <laughs> and I said, did you think I was going to get fired? And he said, well, maybe. <laughs> so, so maybe I was saying what he had to say then, Shiloh. Um, so last week was a little bit heavy-handed, so I'm not going to be quite as um, there. It's more uplifting. It's in the book of Philippians. Uh, this book is this great book of, of love, this great book to a church that Paul dearly loved. And he is writing to them to better equip them 
to do what it, what is in front of them and to encourage them. And they are going through their own trials there with, with, with people coming in and trying to tell them what they need to do and they're having to hold on to their faith. Um, but right from the beginning of this book, Paul gives us some truth. And there in Philippians chapter 1, we're going to be in verses 1 through 6. <clears throat> we find Paul's words to the people of Philippi. And it says, Paul and Timothy, slaves of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who were in Philippi, including the overseers and deacons. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to my God for every remembrance of you, always praying with joy for all of you in my every prayer because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. I am sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Let's pray. <laughs> Father God, we come to you right now once again and we thank you we praise you for your blessings. Father, we ask right now that you would take this time and use it for your glory. Father, use me as a vessel of the words that I speak to yours and yours alone. Father, we thank you for all that you do. We ask these things in Jesus' name and all God's people's Paul steps out here and I love the way he, he introduces himself and what he says because he says to all the saints who were there including those who were in leadership including the overseers and deacons he says this isn't thanks, sir. this isn't just for those of you who are, who are listening this isn't just for those of you who don't take part this is for everybody I want you to understand what, what, what we're going to say here, what's going to happen. <clears throat> and he goes on to talk about the work of God in our lives. And he doesn't have to get very far before he says things that are very important. He says there in verse 6 again, why he says, I am sure of this, that he who started the work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And as I read that, Something that jumps out at me right at the beginning is that the work that is started in you was not started by you. We so often sell salvation as something that we do on our own. But that's not salvation. If we walk and out and make a decision on our own, we were never saved. It's started by the work of God and the Holy Spirit in our lives. As the Holy Spirit begins to work on the heart of the person who is sitting there, on that person who automatically understands for some reason that they are a sinner, that they need something. Because God has begun this work. He begins to work in your life. He begins to, to prick at your heart. We can't take the credit. We can't take the credit for what it is that has happened in our lives. To my two new sisters, remember that this morning. You can't take the credit. You didn't do anything. When you walked down the aisle to share what happened in your life, it wasn't you. It was God who worked in you. God who began to work. God who began to talk into your life, to call you to the altar. We don't do what we don't do. <laughs> we do what we don't want to do. Right? That's what Paul said over in Romans. He said, even now, I'm fighting against it. And if it wasn't for Jesus in me, I couldn't overcome it. Because the work inside me is not me working. There are things that Paul calls us to do, things that God wants us to do, things that God wants us to follow in, but in the midst 
midst of that, we can only follow if we're following Jesus. If we don't follow Jesus, we can't get there. I think I've told you before about <coughs> the party road back home. Uh, it's called Broken Road. There's lots of poetry in that, but um, it was called Broken Road because it was broken. The bridge in the middle was broken. And so it no longer connected the towns that it used to connect. It's now called DPS Tower Road because I guess there's a tower out there from the DPS. But um, you could drive down this road about six miles. And it would come to a dead end. Or so you would think. There was grass this tall. So it looked like it ended into a wall of grass. But if you knew the right person, the person knew that on the other side, about 50 feet of grass, was a great big open expanse where everybody went to have their teenage parties. But the only way you could get there was by following somebody who knew that it was there. The work started in you was not started by you. The only way we get there is by following the one who wants to take us to where he wants us to be. We have to follow Jesus. We have to follow the Spirit. We can only get to where God wants us to be by following Jesus. We're drawn by the Spirit. So the work started in you is not started by you, but also the work started in you is not finished. It's not finished. I've often said that the failure of churches in the past 40 years is that we preached a watered-down gospel that said, say you accept Jesus and you're all good from then on. There's nothing else you ever need to do. While yes, that will get you into heaven if it was a true salvation experience, you're going to get there, the Bible says, as those sins by fire. Because you didn't take the steps you needed to take. You didn't go where you need to go. Because the work that started in you isn't finished. It started. It's just begun. And it doesn't matter how old you are. If you get saved when you're four and you live to be 400, you're still a work in progress. You're still having things that go on. You are under construction. You know, I-35 has been under construction for a long time. Central Expressway in Dallas at near St. Rangan, who she retired when she was 67 and 30 years later was you know, working in Rangan. And she would tell me, I remember when they started that. And the entire time I lived there, they worked on it and then they finished it and then these two did. But it's always under construction. Things always have to happen. We're always under construction. But you know, materials are only worth what the person looking at them sees. If I have a steel bar, it depends on who's looking at it as to what value that bar has. If I take a steel bar to a blacksmith, he may say, he may see some horseshoes, or he may see something else to, to fix a wagon. If I take it to 
a manufacturer, they may see a car frame. They may see something else. And take it to a watchmaker. They may see something else entirely. The materials are only worth what the person looking sees. You know, Carrie can take material or paint, and her mind sees it differently than I do. I'll be like, what in the world? What do you do? I don't know. I just had this idea. And I'll pop the skirt, you know. Or I'll pop some shirt. Or I'll pop some weird color that's on the hook. Yeah. Did I speak of the computer issues this morning? There we go. Um, <laughs> always under construction. Let's be honest. Most of you ladies see things differently than the men in your lives. Right? Y'all are all not saying yes. I know it's true. I mean, <laughs> cleaning, we see differently. Last week, we had a disaster at a funeral visitation where the lady's restroom exploded on me. And I bought the little mat, bought the little, we plunged. And the next day, uh, for the funeral, we swapped the bathrooms out. The men's was the women's, and the women's was the men's. And when I told a certain lady that, she said, is it clean? <laughs> um, you know. There's different standards of cleanliness. There's different standards that we see. The person looking will determine the value. The same goes for people. We limit people by what we see. We do. We look at somebody and we see something and we limit them by the things that we are looking at. <clears throat> oh, well... They're short, they're tall, they're skinny, they're fat, they're clean, they're dirty. They, they cuss, they drink, they smoke, they chew, I don't know. Whatever, whatever things we do, we look at people and we make these judgments. We, we, we limit people by what we see. And it's especially true, how about for us, especially true in a small town. Because we know Daddy's, mama's, sister's, cousin's, brother. We know them all. And because of that, we know who that person is. And it's hard to shake that mentality. It's hard to shake it. <clears throat> but people are only limited by what God says. Remember the story of David when he was anointed? God sends the prophet over there and he says anoint the one I tell you and then these strapping good looking men come in and he's like that's got to be the one. No, that's not him. That's got to be him, God. No, that's not him. And he goes through all of them and he goes, you got anybody left? Well, yeah, I got that kid of mine. He's out there in the field. But you can't want him bringing him here. Because what I say, God looks at the heart. God looks at who we are. We're limited by what God sees. We look at Moses. Moses was a murderer. Moses was fearful. Moses wasn't supposed to be a great reader. But God saw something in him that nobody else would. Because God put it there. And then you've got Saul or Paul. 
The guy who thought he knew everything until Jesus met him on the road and changed his life. People are only limited by what God sees. So remember while you're under construction, which is your entire life, that you're created in the image of God and so is everyone else around you. You're created in the image of God. That means there's something good in you, even when you feel like there isn't. Even when you're sitting there and you're going, I fail again, I've messed up again, I've fallen again, I'm so far away. Even when you're at that point, remember that you were created in His image, so there is something good in you. There is something there that God sees. And you need to have patience with yourself and with others because the work is of God. We act like it's us, but why didn't you overcome that? Because I fail. Because I can't do it on my own, and sometimes I don't listen. That's my wife. We're all that way. We don't listen sometimes. And when it's God speaking, sometimes that's harder to hear because he's not right here. Because if we can't listen to the person next to us, how hard is it to listen to the person that we're not seeing? We have to be tuned in. We have to know and have patience with others. This week, I had the privilege of preaching the funeral of Mary and Terry. And the one thing that kept being said to me over and over and over again by her kids and grandkids was that her favorite phrase was just let it go. Don't let the small issues become big issues. Have the patience. It's not an excuse. We shouldn't use it as an excuse to just do what we want to do. But we have to remember that God doesn't see failure when He looks at you. He sees His Son living in you. But he also says the work started in you will be completed. It'll be completed. Just like me and Carrie's multiple projects, God is working, it's going to be completed. One day he will be finished. One day it will be through. One day we will step from this world into the next world we will be face to face with Jesus and all the work will be done. But until then we're still under construction. He's working. There is a goal in heaven. We have a place that we're going to go. We have a place that we're going to be. Jesus is preparing us for that. And we just have to keep taking one step after another as we go there. Because God always finishes when He starts. He always finishes. He's always going to finish. He doesn't run on our schedule. He does not run on our schedule. We want Him to. I don't know how often it's been where I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to pay this bill. And then it lands in my mailbox. It's just there. <clears throat> Two weeks ago, I put on my suit jacket for the first time. In a while. Not the first time ever. And I reached in the pocket, and there was money inside. <laughs> that was God. Because I needed lunch that day. And there it was. God did it. We won't be completed until the day of Jesus. If you notice the martyrs over in the book of Revelation, they continue under the throne asking when, when God. So they're still there asking when. They're still crying out. They're still not even in that moment completed. They still don't know. But one day we'll know. One day we will be known as we are known. One day all that's going to stop. But, you know, just like any other good work, God kind of needs a permanent. <laughs> I've always said that God is a gentleman. 
He doesn't force himself on anybody. At all. He could have stepped out of heaven 2,000 years ago and said, submit. But he didn't. He came in a completely different way to give us the ability to come to him. He came in a way that allowed us the freedom to say, yes, are you permitting God to work in your life? To remove all the rubble, to change all those things, to tear down the walls and take the trash out. Are you giving him that? Because he won't do it without you letting him. He tells us over in Romans 1 that if you want if you want your sin, stay in your sin, live in your sin. Paul called it the wrath of God being poured out on humanity. Here Henry says, Well, although they knew it, they decided to do something else. So go on. I won't force you. God doesn't send anybody to hell. He just doesn't force them to go to heaven. He gives them the choice they make. Maybe this morning you've been you've been struggling. Maybe you have been going, God, I don't understand. I don't get it. I don't get why any of this is going on. I don't get what, what the point of this is. I don't know what you want me to change. You know what? God's timing is different than our timing. He works differently than we work. And sometimes it's a $20 bill in your pocket. And sometimes it's a swift kick. I don't know. He just works that way. Now's the time to say, God, I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to give you the permit to work in my life. Maybe this is what you want to pray. The altar's open. I'll pray with you. Maybe you want to share the missions or ministry. Maybe you want to join this church of membership. But maybe this morning you've never known Jesus as your Savior. Maybe you've never given him the first permit to come in. Maybe you feel this morning the Spirit just, just, just massaging your heart, saying, calm down. It's never, it's never too late until you're out of breath here. Just walk out the aisle. Whether you've, whether you've sat in church, this is your first day, or, you're, or you've been here for 45,000 years. Nobody said that all the time. It doesn't matter. It's never wrong to come to Jesus. We're not promised tomorrow. We're promised now. If you don't know Jesus today, come down and say, Brother Troy, I want to know Jesus and we'll go from there. But wherever you're at, whatever you need, give it to him. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you right now and thank you. We praise you for your love.